0: So yeah, it feels a bit surreal, but we have been here for 48 hours. <laughs> and um I just want to to begin by just acknowledging that and acknowledging um just the the commitment and the courage that that it takes sometimes to to be on retreat and to kind of flow between the more difficult moments to the more easeful moments Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's really really beautiful and beautiful listening to to you in the groups um today and just kind of so much that is happening within each of us yeah if we can kind of acknowledge that there's so much that is happening within within each person Um, lots of things that are similar and then lots of things that are really different. And there's a space for that here. There's a space for that process to unfold and for the different experiences to pass through and to be known and some to be attended to in some ways and others to be attended to in, in other ways. And this, you know, we said this at the beginning. This space that we're offering to each other, yeah, to ourselves and to each other. So to kind of really um, <coughs> remind ourselves of that—that that there is this space here, and it can hold a lot. Yeah, it can hold a lot. And so, you know, just to say, if someone, it, it can hold if you feel at any point. You know, emotions coming through in the meditation hall, they just it's just like a cough. You don't need to hold it in. Yeah, if there's tears, that's okay. There's there's space for that. If there's the occasional giggle, that's also fine. Yeah, there's space for that. Or just hold that, you know, the, the flow of life that's flowing through us can can have have this space, have this expression here. So this evening I'd, I'd like to um, just touch on a little bit of a kind of an, an overview or kind of an overview in the sense of like looking at the practices that we're doing here a little bit with a as if we're looking at them from high up there <laughs> from some place that is high up and we're looking at at the at the practice um, to just give a sense of of what, it, what what are some of the things that we're engaged in. And I'd also like to um, go a little bit more into detail into some of the, the things that Nathan touched on last night to do with some, some, some possibilities for our practice. Um, and just a reminder, if my voice drops, please alert me to that fact, okay? So if the voice goes low, then just need to do that, or if I'm not looking your way, then... Just call my attention, so that I can adjust the volume. So we've been through the days so far, yeah, using a meditation object. What we call it? It's been, you know, could have been the breath, the body, um, the walking, the metta, which we introduced today, the chanting. You know, all of these are meditation objects that we've been using and we've brought the attention to that object and then we've seen how the mind kind of goes off quickly more you know more fast or less fast (laughs) yeah it goes off to something and then we notice that and we've been bringing it back yeah that's kind of been our kind of main trajectory of the practice and we've also um, been encouraged you to explore or to tune in to ways of breathing or ways of tuning into experience um, that feel to some degree pleasant or nice yeah that's kind of been another thread that's been there yeah so the object of meditation and then if it's the breath then that uh, something pleasant or nice in the breathing, yeah, in the walking. And this gathering and collecting of the mind yeah, that we've been doing, um, it, it, it has a Pali name, as many things do. It's a, it's a type of practice or um, thread of practice, I like to call it, a thread of practice that we're engaged in. And it's, it's called um, in Pali Samatha. You don't need to remember any of these Pali words, but just to to say, it's called Samatha, which just is easier for me to use once in a while because it's one word instead of saying gathering, calming, collecting, studying, harmonizing, unifying. Mm. Yeah. That's the reason we use Pali. It's less word intensive. (laughs) So, the more Samatha we have, or the more we, we cultivate Samatha, the more clearly we can see what is unfolding in our experience. Yeah? So it's this gatheredness, collectedness, calmness of the being, of the mind. The more of that there is, the more clearly we can see. Yeah, I used that image yesterday morning of that beautiful plastic globe that you get at tourist places. And the more clearly we can see what is present in our, in our experience, the more skillfully and wisely we can respond. This clear seeing and the development of wise, skillful responses is another thread of practice. We can kind of pull it away from the summertime and say, this is another thread of practice that's at play. And that's um, insight. That's insight. You can actually say that in one English word. It's a minor miracle. Yeah. Pali is vipassana, in case you were wondering. Yeah. So that's, that's the thread of insight. And the two, yeah, are not. I, I, like, the, I like calling them threads because that gives the sense of how um, mutually connected they are. Yeah, they're not separate from each other. They're not, um, yeah, we can't say I'm just doing Samatha, I'm just doing Insight, but we can do one more than the other. We can kind of be tuning into one more than the other. But they're mutually supportive. Yeah, They arise together. and together they lead to less dukkha. Yeah, remember that word Dukkha Nathan was using yesterday? They lead to less suffering when they come together. Yeah, when they both are present, there's less dukkha and there's more freedom. So a calm calm gathered collectedness of being with a clear seeing yeah, and wisdom. Less dukkha. Yeah, more freedom more well-being. I just have to share this with you. I think it's great. I just noticed, I'm pretty sure it's the autocorrect on my iPad. It says, instead of dukkha, instead of dukkha, it says sukkha, which is the opposite of dukkha, happiness. So, I'm pretty sure it's, um, it's the autocorrect, and I think it's wonderful that my iPad is, is so um, tuned in to, to well-being and happiness. Um, Rather than the suffering, it's quite different to the uh, human minds. maybe we should all exchange our mind for whatever apple we'll put in these things um, no just that's a really bad joke i don't recommend it <laughs> so I just want to want to give a, a little bit of just look look at an example just to break it down just to kind of really make this um, clear and alive because yeah? this basic um, kind of getting in touch with these threads of the practice and and what they taste like, what they feel like, uh, what they are, just a little bit more. So if we're using the example of the the breath that we've been working with, uh, the pleasant breath or the comfortable breath, um, so the Samatha would be the tuning into the pleasant, the coming back, yeah, again and again, um, the staying steady, yeah, with the ups and downs, with it being pulled away, and needing to come back. Uh, there's moments of easeful presence, yeah? Sometimes there's moments of suddenly there's easeful presence. It can be just one breath. It can be for a period through a meditation practice, either walking or, or sitting, yeah? And there's just a sense of easeful presence or even, you know, can go up in the spectrum towards uh, the pleasant. So all of that is the spectrum of, of the Samatha. Um, being practiced and also uh, being present. Yeah. So a lot of what we discover in practice is that we're actually uncovering things rather than creating them yeah. or, or supporting the conditions so something is there, something is seen, something is given the space to, to grow. And the insight aspect of that practice would be um, the exploration, yeah. So noticing the distraction, yeah. Knowing I'm distracted and naming it, yeah. Seeing um, the effect that the breath or the inquiry has on on the and how I'm experiencing things, yeah. That's all um, all insight. The, noticing the the tone um, of how I bring myself back. That's a big insight. That's a whole area of insight. Yeah. How do I what's the tone there when I notice I've been distracted and I bring the attention back to the breath or the footsteps or the metaphrases, whatever it is that I'm using? What is the tone? What does that actually feel like? Yeah. So all of these, you know, that's all kind of getting kind of under the skin of the experience, getting to know. Ourselves and our experience more deeply more fully so summit and insight both spectrums and both um, arising together supporting um, together supporting each other and as the days unfold we'll be continuing with this um, exploration of, of the two so we'll be continuing to anchor in the Samatha, that's kind of the ground, yeah, anchoring in that. And then opening to the both the exploration of insight and the application of insight, which we'll kind of go into more over the days. And this combination, yeah, the grounding, the harmonizing, the unifying of the Samatha with the investigation, the interest, the curiosity, yeah, that combination. Uh, really supports us to meet whatever arises in experience. Nathan was using this phrase yesterday in you know, a um, like letting go of preference. Yeah, it supports us to meet whatever is arising in experience as um, fuel for the practice, fuel for understanding, fuel for our growth and our deepening. So less picking and choosing and more just flowing with what arises and using that as a means to deepen. And, you know, people here are really doing that. You know, it's been really kind of really present listening to you. So this evening I'd like to um, particularly explore this or kind of bring it more into life um, in relation to bodily fabrication that we were touching on yesterday. And when we speak about bodily fabrication, uh, this includes both pleasant bodily fabrication, yeah, like the pleasant breath, and what we would call unpleasant bodily fabrication. It includes the two. And I'd like to take some time this evening to go into, to explore more, particularly um, the unpleasant bodily fabrication. So it's continuing on from um, things that came up in the talk yesterday. Yeah, just kind of, it's a wonderful thing with the 10-day retreat. We can kind of slowly, slowly go into things. Yeah, Yeah. so just continuing to, to unpack that and unravel that a little bit more. So, a friend of mine and and me, this is a complete aside, but I just heard myself say so, so I have to say it. We we tried to make a pact on a retreat we were teaching recently that we wouldn't use the word so, and it's absolutely very difficult to do when... uh, particularly when, when, when teaching. I don't know why it such seems to have become such an essential part of Dharma talks and guided meditation. So I'm still trying, but I'm failing very badly at it. So, so. <laughs> hopefully that will give you something to giggle at every once in a while when you hear me saying it. At some point, for most of us, for all of us, there will be some experiences of discomfort or pain in the body. This is why um, this can be such a, a juicy and alive area of exploration for us at some point. And that can be, as Nathan was saying yesterday, the whole range from something like an itch or a tickle, something very mild, to progressively more intense feelings of pain. And discomfort so the whole range and, and it's an experience that as human beings we know we're susceptible to the good news about that is we um, usually you don't need to go looking for it so if it's not there fine don't you know we don't need to look for it at some point it will appear and as we said yesterday, and keep emphasizing this, it's helpful and useful to work with physical discomfort or pain when it's less intense. So the image that we use a lot in meditation, just like building up the muscles, yeah, building up the capacity, building up the skill. So we start with what is less triggering, less intense, less likely to overwhelm, and we build up the capacity over time. And all the different ways that we can explore and work with and get to know physical discomfort, they're all rooted in what I like to call gentle curiosity. So an attitude of interest which is marriage, which comes with gentleness. So we're not kind of like shining this really bright spotlight on the experience. But we're curious, we're interested, but that's together with gentleness and with an intention to let go of, of, um, of judgment, yeah, of criticism. Judgment in the sense of criticism, not of discernment. That's slightly different. Is that clear? So a non, as much as we can, aligning with, non-judge, with a non-judgmental attitude and with gentleness together with curiosity and interest. So the first step with that is obviously we notice, yeah, You're laughing because I said so. Great. You see, that's going to help me because every time I see you laugh, I will realize. Excellent. wasn't such a tangent after all. I almost said it again. The first step is noticing. And being aware that there is some pain or discomfort here. Once we notice that, we can explore, we can look. Is there any contraction? How am I responding to that experience of pain or discomfort? Is there any contraction or resistance in response, in reaction? This is really, um, can be really revolutionary. So we notice the experience. It can be, like we said, an itch. It can be a a pain in the knee that I know very well. Um, It can be a new pain that I haven't had before, not not too intense. Am I in any way contracted or resisting this experience? And checking in the body primarily. Any sense of contraction or resistance. So this, this sense of contractedness can be very much kind of something like this. You know, we feel a tightening or a tensing or a getting small around that experience. It can be that. And it can be some form of resistance which can feel like a pushing away. And I kind of, I don't want this. Interestingly enough, resistance can also show itself as tiredness or restlessness. So sometimes if those are around, I can check is there something here that I'm trying to get away from? Cuz that's one <laughs> one of the ways that we do that. One of the way that one of the ways that we resist. We we mask things. Am I trying to get away from something? Not always, but sometimes. So that can also be an indication. The interesting thing about things like tiredness and um, restlessness is that they too are unpleasant. They, they are also uncomfortable. Yeah, Experiencing who hasn't had this <coughs> in the meditation hall yet. Yeah, some some people may have not had it, but something close to that, that or just that fogginess in the mind. Very unpleasant. That's also a form of unpleasant bodily fabrication. Yeah. Arising in the body, body experience. So you didn't notice, <laughs> it got you there. Oh we we'll said it again. It's so hard. any level whenever we notice wherever we find ourselves in that process of the actual original physical discomfort the contraction or the resistance around it any of those this is an opportunity to pause and to get to know it a little bit better with gentleness with interest a little bit better so, the first step that I said, we stop, we acknowledge, we notice is there a contraction, is there resistance? One or both. They can also show themselves in, in mental, in thoughts and patterns of thinking. I don't want this, I don't like this. If this wasn't here, I would already be like this or like that or there. So, sometimes we can also notice in, in the thinking that there is some some level of resistance or contraction. That's the first step, all of that, that whole big thing that I just said, is one way of attending to discomfort and pain in the body. Acknowledging, noticing, looking to see if there's any degree of contraction or resistance. We can then ask ourselves, what will happen? This is the second step, the second possibility. What will happen if I let this be? And then this can be what we're calling the first arrow, the actual pain in the body. It can also be the second arrow, which is the contraction or the resistance. Either one. What happens if I let this be? Either directly let this Sensation or a bunch of sensations be there. Or let the contraction and resistance to that experience be there. Whatever feels more accessible. And we're really interested to see what happens if I let it be. Or I ground myself in the intention to let it be. And yeah, ground myself in the intention to let it be. We can do this just for a few breaths. I say, I'm going to let this be for one breath. I'm not going to fight it for one breath. Or three breaths. And we're interested to do that and we're interested to see what happens. Just like Nathan was. Asking us yesterday with not itching and itch. And then what happened when we didn't follow that impulse? So here also, what happens if I let it be for three breaths? Without any specific agenda. Sometimes we, we see that we have these agendas. Okay, I'll be with you. I'll let you be so that you go away. This is really common for us human beings. It gets more and more subtle just what what would it be to let this be for three breaths just checking for ourselves what happens what would it be to invite the contraction the resistance all the sensations themselves to relax to some degree, just to put in the invitation, just like we're inviting the breath to be long. Yeah, we're inviting that. What happens if we invite that? To relax the tension. We can take this further, yeah? We can, we can explore welcoming the experience and seeing what happens. So all of these are are kind of one bunch of um, attitudes that we can cultivate. And then we're always interested to, to see what we can invite, what we can support, and then to see what happens as a result of that. Because the learning comes when we feel the effect and we let ourselves absorb that. That's the learning, that's the deepening, that's the understanding. So we're always, this is the insight. We're always interested in applying something and then seeing what effect it has over time. We can bring more attention and more creativity into the observation of the sensations that make up the experience. So we can actually start looking more closely at the sensations that make up this uncomfortable sensation. So we can see, ah, what is this made up of? What are these sensations? What do they feel like? Is there a vibration? Is there movement? Is there pressure? Yeah, we start looking more in detail. Is there constancy or is there change? And by change, doesn't mean that it goes away, but just that there's changeability within the experience. Are there gaps? Sometimes there are. Yeah, it comes and goes, it comes and goes. But our mind um, does something that our friend Rob says it calls connects the dots. Yeah, so we just see the the painful. We don't notice the gaps in between when the sensations are different. So we start looking. We start exploring. What happens if I breathe around? The discomfort into the discomfort through the discomfort. What happens then? What happens if I imagine the breath coming in and out of that area? Yeah, there's a lot. You don't need to remember all of these. <laughs> yeah, but there's just to, just to show you that just to kind of point out there's so many possibilities of things we can apply, and we're not again that there will often be, most of the time, if we're honest, there will be a certain agenda of, I'm doing this to get rid of. Yeah. It's very natural, it's very human. And that too needs to be met with compassion and interest. But we're not doing that to get rid of, we're doing that to change the relationship and to increase our understanding. That's what we're interested in. That's what we're interested in. What happens if I bring metta directly to that area? Yeah. What happens if I bring metta directly to that area? That's another one to explore if you like metapractice. practice. What happens then? Sometimes there'll be uh, degrees of pain that are overwhelming, yeah, and they will pull our attention so that it's not, won't be a matter of choice, yeah, of oh, yeah, I'm just going to go for the less intense. Yeah, sometimes there'll be something that feels very, very intense and just takes all the attention, feels overwhelming. In those cases, we can play with expanding the awareness so that. What particular pain or discomfort is just one thing that is going on in a larger field? So, we can do that by expanding the awareness to the whole body. We've done it a little bit, we'll be doing it more stretching the awareness to the whole body, or we can do that by using sound. Receiving the sound that's coming up and through um, the awareness, through the environment, and using that as the object of. Of our meditation and that increases the space so the pain will still be there but it won't take up all the space, we're just opening up the space yeah, this is really um, all of these things are actually applicable to more areas than just pain and discomfort yeah, a lot more areas but we're going slowly so we're, we're, we're cultivating our capacities, cultivating our skills honing our skills with this uh, first, with mild physical discomfort and pain. So opening out the space. And we can also train ourselves to shift the attention from areas that are uncomfortable to areas that feel okay in the body, which most of the time there will be. Yes, there will be an area that feels painful, intense, but there might be, there usually will be areas of the body that we're not aware of, that feel okay, or even pleasant. So that's part of what we're doing with the pleasant breath, but palms of the hands, for example, are an area like that, that will feel neutral or pleasant for most of us most of the time. Or, this is one of my favorite examples, if my right knee is painful, many times my left knee won't be. So I can just move the attention, move the attention somewhere where it's not painful. And it's not, um, it's not escapism to do any of these. Not at all. Because we can do that and then we can see, ah, what is going on there? may have felt like this knee is absolutely killing me, but if I could open up the space or I could move my attention somewhere where there's no pain, then that intensity changes. Sometimes. (laughs) So this is all, it's not escapism, it's deepening of understanding. It's exploring our human beingness and our human experience. And sometimes, as we've said from the beginning, particularly if we're talking about chronic pain or injuries, then the skillful thing is to move. Yeah? Absolutely. So to also uh, remember that and that we can do that in a way that maintains that curiosity and that interest in the experience or to find a different posture to, to be in for the practice. I remember, just remembered this. Um, this is years and years and years ago. I was in New Delhi and I was in a really, um, both physically and emotionally, I was in a really bad space and I walked into one of those. I think they still exist in, in Paragand, in the main bazaar in, in New Delhi. And if you've been there, there's all these little stalls here and there, dotted around. And I went into one of these bookstores and immediately noticed a, a book that pulled my attention. It was called The Wisdom of No Escape. And um, it was by Pema Chodron. And I, I, I knew... I can't even remember now if I knew Perma Children by then or not, but I knew that I had to, to, to buy that book. And that, that phrase, yeah, the wisdom of no escape can you feel it? That turning towards our experience rather than running away from it, turning away from it. And the the possibility of wisdom that comes from that. And the wisdom that understands that we cannot escape our human condition. That the way to live well is to live through. To live through our humanity. To live through what life throws at us which is different for each of us, but also very similar. Yeah. We all experience things we don't want to experience. We all lose things that we want to have and to hold on to. We were teaching a retreat recently that we teach every year for people living with, um, with illness and with loss And when I was talking there one evening, I remembered that um, this quote of Ajahn Chahs, I think, one of the masters in the Thai forest tradition, who used to begin his um, Dharma talks by saying, uh, by greeting the audience as my brothers and sisters in aging, sickness, and death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the same, that's the same wisdom of no escape my brothers and sisters in aging, sickness and death. That's what we share. And that's what we we can't escape. And that is also what can liberate when we turn towards that. When we turn towards that, when we see the unpleasant bodily fabrications We train ourselves, we cultivate slowly over time the capacity to see them as opportunities, as what is here, as what is part of our human condition and as what is as a doorway for more understanding and for more well being through that understanding. And as I said, I touched on this earlier, as we become more skilled in this, as we become more confident in our capacity, we can apply the same spectrum, the same um, collection of suggestions I just shared. We can apply it to more and more areas of our experience. Because all of our experience is fabricated. It's all made up of things. It's all conditioned. So it's helpful to practice and to learn and to gain confidence on the direct, immediate, less intense experiences. And for a lot of us, the body is much more grounded than the mind would be. So we start with that, we start with that and we build that capacity. And then we can expand to more and more areas of of our experience. So, we don't need to reject anything. I'm sorry, just all these quotes from these masters are popping into my mind. Next one is from Uta Janir, a current living Burmese master, who says, Don't make a problem out of anything. It's the title of one of his books. Don't make a problem out of anything. It's beautiful. Yeah. So we don't need to reject anything. Anything that arises in our experience can be met. Nathan was speaking about this yesterday, is remembering the possibility, even if I don't know right now, right here, even if I don't know how to do that, remembering that it's possible. Anything that's arising in my experience can be met. It doesn't need to be rejected. I can meet it with as much kindness, as much compassion, as much interest, as much samatha as I can access right now in these conditions. And as we do that, as we remember that possibility, the wisdom and the compassion grow and the confidence grows and the practice deepens. questions?
1: Reflections? Comments? It's just a a, a, a reflection really. It feels like a beautiful um, summary or response, you know, for when people say, oh, Buddhism is so dry and focuses on, you know, all the bad things that can happen to us. And it just feels like a really lovely sort of rounded encapsulation of why it's just so enriching to focus on on what is, is really going on, because mm. you know, we gain so much more, mm. and, um, yeah, experience, and a more meaningful way of being. Mm.
0: It's
1: just really beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, you, you're reminding me of, of something that I hope you won't mind me sharing this story, but something that he has no idea what I'm going to say. He's just going <laughs> to give me permission without.
1: Yeah.
0: But someone recently shared with Nathan an experience that they had of sitting with a friend who was dying. And the, the, that person actually died, but not completely. So they died, and then they came back. And they then said, that was so wonderful. That was so wonderful. I want to go back there. That was so wonderful. That was so beautiful. I want to go back there. And a few days later, I think they did. But the impact of that, the impact of that, and even hearing it second Hand for me, third hand for you. <laughs> oh no, it's even more than that actually. Anyway, it, it still has that, it has that impact of okay, what is that? Because we're so conditioned to fear. To fear death, to fear aging, to fear sickness, to fear pain, to shut down with that, so conditioned. And like you you were just reflecting the 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 what dharma offers us is another way of being with the reality of our lives, which is not the only thing. Yeah, That's not just that life is just that. But when we close down and we stay and we don't open to that, then we're also not as open as we could be to, to the joy and the beauty. So they all flow together. Anything else? It
1: um, yeah. you able to talk a bit about the end result of doing this?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that we have we put clear on the reason for it when we're maybe struggling or mm. Mm. To, to push through stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So one thing to reflect on is already to feel if there's any, any moments within your own experience here in the days, and they can be very, very fleeting, where there's a sense of some openness or ease or well-being. That would be the, the, the thing I would encourage to, towards the most, is to feel in, in yourself any, even microscopic moments when there's a a sense of, ah, I'm meeting this differently than I normally would. Yeah, I'm meeting this differently than I normally would. And and what does that, how does that feel? And what does that allow? And the end result is, is, um, yeah, it's a beautiful question because that too is actually not one point, but a kind of a whole spectrum or realms of things that unfold and are possible. The, the, the kind of words that are coming up for me is a sense of, it's been coming up for me recently a lot, of something like unshakable tenderness, the capacity to be within the ups and downs of life, whether it's our own life or the life around us. And not be swept away by our reactivity and our conditioning, but to stay tender, to stay open, and to stay at peace. But a peace that isn't disconnected or detached or um, non-engaged, but actually very engaged. Does that does that give a sense? Give a feeling?
1: Yeah, it's like more harmonious
0: life. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the phrase that, that, for some of the phrases that we might use is, you know, happiness that's not conditioned, it's not reliant on things going our way. A happiness or a well being that is not reliant on things going our way or according to our preferences because that is not in our control. Yeah. I mean, we still engage with life, we still do what we can to make life. As good as it can be for ourselves and others, but it's not in our control. And so, what would it be to have access to a happiness that isn't reliant on external conditions? That's the and and that for some people, that that the this practice it would be enough to just get to a sense of more happiness in, in our everyday life, yeah? less conflict. Um, and for some people, this is an ongoing journey that would you know that keeps keeps evolving, keeps deepening, keeps getting more and more subtle. Uh, And all of that is is wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But but yeah, maybe in in one phrase, the end result is more well being. Yeah, more well being for ourselves and others. Yeah. But keep asking the question. It's also very, very helpful. Like what is already here and where is it going? Yeah. Anything else? Was that a hand? No. Or was it your?
2: Yes. Just a small reflection really on the conversation that's just happened that it's really easy to sort of see uh, the difficulties that we face Mm. and wish Mm. that they were easier Mm. which is can be a very helpful motivation. But I realised what I don't do is actually think about what have I gained mm. and appreciate
1: mm.
2: that mm. to see you know, journey the journey that I've come but also to remind myself of the benefit and the possibility.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's such a it's such a beautiful and important aspect of our practice that like you say we naturally forget because our brains are wired to not notice that so we forget and then because we all have human brains then also the teachers don't remind us enough to do that most teachers so um, so so that reminder of noticing and reflecting and remembering what even if it feels very small, very microscopic, the moments when there's more ease and if we notice these moments in our practice, to spend time with that and to absorb it and then to kind of also, like you say, reflect back after a day, two days, decades of practice, whatever it, we, we, we may be here with, what, can I, what, what has changed or what, what were the moments of grace, of beauty... Um, that I can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: yes. Um, so everything, well, so everything that you said mm. um, is mainly about being on the cushion, isn't it? Although it's, it's so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, out there. And so if I'm managing pain and it's more prevalent out there, Mm -hmm. because in here I'm more relaxed Mm. and it's all linked. Mm. Um, All those really fantastic things, millions of them, but I can't remember now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, how would you say that to a greater sense of well-being when it comes to body pain It always starts on the cushion and then it radiates out or into daily life because otherwise mm. the cushion can be very one-dimensional because mm. we actually this is a retreat and it's 10 days and there's 300 mm. days left of the year yeah. hopefully some meditation
0: as well <laughs> but yeah, you
2: get my point.
0: yeah, so I would say definitely with everything that we cultivate on the cushion, not just what I spoke about today, the the integration and the application in other situations is is a, a wonderful aspect of our practice and, and really helpful. Uh, with everything, it's it's getting to know the territory and and uh, what is applicable and how. Certainly, something like what I what we were talking about now, working with 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 pain and bodily fabrication, unpleasant bodily fabrication. Um, I think the, the more we develop the skills in this very conditioned and supportive environment, then we take them out and we apply them little by little. So we continue with this bite-sized approach or uh, the lightweights at the gym approach and we gradually increase but there's a lot of these, you know, noticing the contraction, for example, is something that we can really easily learn to do and just in itself can bring a lot of space yeah. also when we're in a completely different set of conditions. And, and we will be exploring this more. But, yeah, definitely using the, using the, the, the cushion as kind of a lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of the images I like for practice. It's a lab, and this body and mind... Are uh, the what we have in the lab? That's what's there. So we, we practice on that, and then we, we can apply it into into more and more areas, including beyond just the looking in with silence and support and not needing to do much. Um,
2: so I know my default out there is when it comes to pain is distraction. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the easiest, the quickest. Yeah. It's, uh, everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's accessible straight away. Yeah. Yeah. On, and that's like just a habitual thing to do. On the cushion, it's different, mm. but it's that
0: integration. Yeah, and, and, and taking it slowly and with a lot of patience and forgiveness and compassion, also out there, you know, it's not going to change immediately. Um, and, and sometimes with, with chronic intense pain, distraction is not an absolute no no. I also need to say that it's a matter of capacity and how much we can bear. And we have to, to be um, honest and, and forgiving and attuned to that. So, to increase the capacity to the degree that we can, but not to try and um, do more than, than is possible or useful. And that's the same with so many things, wherever we're meeting an edge. Yeah, it's an application of seeing it as an application of wisdom and compassion as, as we, it, we explore more and more territories.
1: not just a, it's not just a lab is it? It's a it's a gym. hmm So it's about it's about skills mm-hmm. that we learn on the cushion. And what they do is they actually change they change your brain. They change your whole system. Mm-hmm. The more you do the practices, the more they actually change your perspective mm-hmm. on the world. So that you don't even have to think about relating to the world mm-hmm. in a different way. Because you do
0: mm-hmm. I mean Yeah,
1: we do, and I mean, although I don't have chronic intense pain, it's true. I do have pain, Mm. and I do think "Mm, Mm. I can give this some attention.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: and I only think that because of because of the retreats or just you know daily practice. Yeah, so it brings to the front of our existence. That brain, if you like, but I tend to think
0: of it as it brings to the forefront all the possibilities in those situations. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely both, I would say. Yeah, we we are, some people actually speak about it as rewiring the brain um, or change, you know, over time with practice, there's changes in the system. That's definitely something that's happening as a result of the practice, and then there's also. Uh, things that we can then actually extend the practice into daily life. So we're then, it's not a, and that's when we're kind of then, ah, how do I bring this into daily life becomes a, also a useful thing. So it's, I would say both, mm. both. Um, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so let's have a moment of silence together.